0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is season two, episode two of the podcast, or like I like to call it, the two twos. But now that I say the two twos, when I think of that, it reminds me of the terrible twos for dogs. Does anyone else know that this is a real thing or is it just me? It's just me? Okay, great. If you didn't know, I like to kind of describe terrible twos for dogs as their equivalent of teenage years for humans and now that I think about it my dogs two like her year of like being two was like absolutely terrible let me just say that like she would legit just look in every single direction but mine when I called her like she would just act like she didn't hear me and or like she didn't even know what I was saying and I would just call her and yeah, she would just be like, "Um, you're not talking to me, right? Like she would literally, she would look at my mom, she would look at the wall, she would look at a door, she would look at the ground, she would pick up a toy, like she would literally just not answer me. And if she was like running around like the lawn, you know, she would wander off in places that she knew that I knew and she knew that she had no business being in and yeah I don't even really know why I went on this rant about dogs but anyway this would be a great time to rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify hopefully your review is five stars and I would really appreciate if you guys I because I've been seeing that you guys are rating the podcast but I would really appreciate seeing more reviews um I've seen a couple but I would like to see like some written feedback from you guys and if you guys are really liking the podcast I would love to see your written review. It would be very very helpful. We currently have five stars on the Apple podcast platform which is so nice to see and we would like to keep it that way. So make sure you rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify in specific but I don't really know other platforms that you can like rate and like review those are the only two that I'm really aware of but yeah also subscribe to the podcast on your podcast streaming platform of choice and speaking of that would you guys be able to just leave a comment on one of the Oh My Allergy Instagram posts or you can even send a DM to the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram just saying where you listen to the podcast because I'm so curious I know Apple Podcasts is a very popular platform that a lot of people listen to their podcasts. I know that's the way that I listen to my podcast personally that I'm subscribed to. But I know there's so many different players out there that people listen to podcasts in different areas. So I'm just curious for like science reasons as to where exactly people are listening to the podcast at. I'm just super curious. Um, what else? Um, I think that's all like the housekeeping stuff. So today's episode, we have a special guest. We have Jenna So on the podcast. She is the face behind the blog So Yum, which definitely check it out. It is www.soyum.com. And that is also her Instagram as well. Well, not the WW part, but at So Yum, tso y-u-m i almost forgot how to spell yum anyway we had a really great conversation actually and i'm super excited for you guys to be able to hear our conversation and this episode is going to be about you know food allergies we talk about the mental health consequences of having food allergies and talking about you know food allergy anxiety and stress because that is um a topic that she's very passionate about. We talk about about a lot of different things. So, I am super excited for you guys to hear more about Jenna's story and us talking through our own experiences with food allergies and then like our allergy lifestyles. So, but before I get into, you know, the full episode, our conversation The thing that a lot of people are probably looking forward to listening to, you guys know I have to tell you guys what's been going on. So uh, what's been going on with me? Well, at the time that I'm recording this episode, I am preparing to go uh, back to school. My school, we actually start a week later than we are supposed to just to be able to give my school Um, enough time to be able to prepare themselves for 100% remote because that's how my school year is going to be at least for the fall semester. Don't really know what's happening in the spring that's kind of still up in the air but that is kind of like why we're starting a week later. So I technically go back to school the day after Labor Day which is very exciting because normally we go kind of early in comparison to like other states in the United States, in my opinion, just because I know in the North, because that's where my mom's from, she would talk about how she went to school right after Labor Day. And it seems like the majority of school systems, like whether it's high school, college, elementary, middle school, whatever, they tend to go back to school after Labor Day. So she always thought Georgia was like really weird in the sense that we would always go, back to school, quote-unquote, early in comparison to what she was used to growing up. So, been preparing for that, trying to understand, like, what course materials that I actually need for that, and, like, I started, like, pulling out my planner, trying to um, sketch out time for when my classes are going to be. At this time, when I'm recording this, we don't have, like, our syllabi or anything like that, so I don't really... I can't really like etch in okay I have an exam like on this day or I have a project due like on this day you know what I mean so I'm just putting in like when I have class per se and then like since I'm a part of some student organizations etching in like meeting days and times and that type of stuff just preparing myself for my planner because I use my planner so much throughout the school year especially last year because I was very very involved so sticking with that trend I'm being very very invested into my planner which is something that's different for me because normally I'm that type of person that forgets that I have a planner and I'm like oh crap let me just write this down on a pad of paper meanwhile my planner is right next to the pad of paper and then I just end up not writing in the planner and then by the time that I remember that I bought a planner and that it exists in my life, that I'm like, well, the, so many months have passed, and then it's kind of like a waste of space on my desk, and then I end up throwing it out, and then it's kind of like a repeat each year, so I'd probably say last school year, I've seriously gotten into planning in a planner, because I would digitally plan, like on my phone, I'd be like, okay, well, set an alarm to go here, set an alarm for this, set an alarm for that type of thing, but like, actually opening my planner up, and like, color coding, like, that's kind of my life now. So like I am a hardcore color coder. So I've been planning for that. Um, that's mainly what I've been doing. And then also I have a mini internship that I've been doing, um, because my internship that I had initially planned got canceled due to COVID. So I've been doing that, doing some work for that. Um, Obviously, I've been doing a lot of pre-planning for the podcast because I wanted season two to be very good, I guess, for a a lack of better words. Um, I wanted to be able to put so much thought into this season and really be able to um, deliver the content that you guys want. I know that I've been very active in my Instagram DMs with um, followers on the account and trying to figure out what type of content that you guys want. Want more of from me, and you want me to talk about, or you want me to be able to bring somebody on to be able to uh, get their perspective as well. So, I've been doing a lot of that. Um, this I'm re- pre recording before season two um, officially hits, you know, all podcast directories and stuff because I know I'm going to be busy with the first week of school trying to just get adjusted and stuff like that so I wanted to get this out of the way what else um been practically living at my dog's doctor because like I said before I don't remember what episode I said it in but she's been battling like some like an ear infection first it was in one ear and then we were treating that ear but then we went to the doctors again and then found out you know the other one was getting better but The other ear is starting to have one, so we have to get more medicine, so... I'm now putting it in both ears now. So that has been fantastic. And I say fantastic uh, dripping with sarcasm because it's been definitely a task and definitely a job because my dog is literally just fighting me. She's she's fighting me for both ears. Usually when I try to give it to her at nighttime because she can kind of like decompress from the day um, and just be able to relax And it usually kind of puts her in like a a sleepier mood, like, okay, like we're winding down for the night type of thing. So I usually give it to her at night. So usually when I'm looking at her, like she's like, knows what's about to happen and she instantly like runs away. And it's just the most funniest. But not funniest thing ever because I'm the one who has to chase her to be able to get her to be like sitting down so that I can actually put the medicine in her ear. So that's basically what's been going on with me doing all of those things. But yeah, so now that I'm done doing my what's been going on update, I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. My very first foodie like is from the brand Theos. And if you haven't heard of Theos, they are... A, a chocolate company at least that's what I know them for like I always see them like in the chocolate and snacks aisle and they have really really good chocolate and it's one of my go-to brands so I've been liking their coconut bites because it's like the dark chocolate on the outside with the coconut it's organic it's non-gmo what else I believe that they're um, gluten-free I know that they're vegan because if they weren't vegan I wouldn't be eating them because dairy um they're kosher and then they're also palm free and then they also say that they are um, fair for life which I'm assuming it's like fair trade like sustainably sourced you know ethical practices type of thing so really 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 am a fan of the brand as a whole but definitely like they're like this tastes so good it's like a really good treat to have i like having them when they're frozen and then like they slightly thaw out when you take them out the freezer oh, oh my gosh guys they taste so good so if you are not allergic to coconuts because i know that that's a very rare allergy to have but i know people probably have it then this is not really the sweet treat for you but if you are not allergic to coconut but um you are looking for like a like a new sweet treat to try and you like coconut shreds and stuff like that then I highly recommend trying these out because they are so delicious and when you get them they're like in a pack of two and you honestly wish after you're done having the two that it was like a pack of four so um yeah they're very very tasty I highly 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 recommend Trying them because they are just, oh my gosh. Like, I wish I had one in front of me right now. Like, they are so delicious, and I have to stop myself from eating them because if I don't, I will eat all the ones that I buy. Because I first tried them and I bought one, and then I was like, oh my goodness, these taste so good. And then I went back to the grocery store and then I couldn't find them, and I was so sad. Like, anyone was there and saw me in the chocolate aisle you would see my face literally drop like I was so genuinely sad because they tasted so good and then I went to like Whole Foods because I thought hey maybe Whole Foods might have them I was sadly disappointed that the Whole Foods I went to did not have them and then I went to um the grocery store I got them from initially which was Kroger and then they had them and then I felt like I heard the angels sing and it was like a oh And I was just so excited. So I bought like three or four of them. So highly recommend trying them. Definitely. Like you're missing out if you have not tried them. Highly recommend. Another one of my favorites lately has been cold brew. I have really been into like the refrigerated cold brew. Like you go to the grocery store. You go, like I said, to the refrigerated section. And then they have like the big bottles of it. I've been into this brand called... I think it's stock, Stoke? Stoke? I don't really know how to pronounce it. You spell it S-T-O-K. And I just get like their regular unsweetened black cold brew. And it tastes so good. To me, it tastes very similar to like Starbucks coffee. And it's cheaper in the long run because you buy one bottle. And I think it's about like three or four dollars depending on where you get it from. And then you can get multiple cups whereas when you go to Starbucks that's how much you pay for one cup. So definitely recommend if you are a big fan of Starbucks coffee and what I'll do is like I'll put dairy-free milk in there uh, like vanilla unsweetened dairy-free milk and mix it together and honestly it tastes like I got a nice coffee with uh, dairy-free milk from Starbucks. So highly recommend that as well. It's so good Um, but yeah those are both of my foodie likes and Let's just get right into the allergy news. So the Foodie News article that I'm gonna be talking about today is from Mag, and the article is about how there was a study that was conducted by National Jewish Health, and in the study, it was found that babies born in fall had higher risk for allergic diseases now this article talks about how researchers at national jewish health they are working to discover what is like the culprit for the increase in uh, food allergies because more and more people are discovering that they have them and determined that a lot of allergic conditions, you know, likely start with, you know, dry cracked skin, and then that can lead to a chain reaction of allergic diseases, also known as um, atopic march. And they talk about this article, how it starts when um, the baby is an infant uh, with eczema, and then it can lead to food allergies, asthma, and hay fever later uh, throughout the child's life. And so they talk about how, in the study, how children with eczema often have high levels of a harmful bacteria called Staph aureus on their skin, and this weakens the skin's ability to be able to keep allergens and pathogens out. And they talk about how in um, this study that when food particles are able to, you know, kind of get into the skin rather than you know, get digested, that your body tends to see them as foreign and then they create these antibodies against them and then that causes children to become allergic. And this also also this article talks about how researchers at National Jewish Health are conducting a clinical trial to be able to just look at so many different factors that can contribute to this weakened skin barrier that's found in babies. And so they are... um, really enrolling pregnant women and their babies into uh, early childhood and, like, following their journey to be able to consider, like, so many different factors from environmental to genetics to medications that are taken, products that are used at home throughout early childhood life. So I just found this article just to be, like, super interesting because that's something that you wouldn't think of. You necessarily wouldn't think that the month that your baby was born could – play a, a big role in you know um, allergies and kind of putting a stop to this chain reaction as what is talked about in this article of eczema food allergies asthma and hay fever And on the podcast before, I've talked about my struggle with hay fever. It's a really big thing for me. I'm very, very sensitive and it really doesn't take much, especially when it's peak season, when there's a lot of pollen outside and the pollen count's really high. So I just found this article really interesting. And I just find all of these different trials and different research studies that are conducted in food allergy, asthma, and just allergies in general research just to be Just so fascinating because I didn't even know that a topic March was a thing. And just knowing that so many different trials like this are being conducted, I think is really good for furthering more research on allergies and immunology type of uh, diseases and allergic diseases as a whole. So I'm very interested to see kind of where this trial ends up going. But that is the allergy news for this week. So let's get right to the episode, what you guys have been waiting for. So I'm going to get right into the introduction for Jenna. Yeah. So, like I said, today's episode has a special guest. We have Jenna So on the podcast today. We discuss, you know, her Oh My Allergy journey, food allergies being in college with food allergies, growing up with food allergies, just so many different things we talked about in this episode. But if you are not familiar with Jenna, Jenna is a recent college grad and she is the face behind the blog So Yum. She was born with her allergies, which we get into the specifics in this episode, so I'm not going to give that away just yet. Uh, She said that it has taken multiple doctors along with dietary changes to be able to figure out what foods are safe for her. Over the years, she's had many anaphylactic reactions and has dealt with traumatic allergic reactions from her severe food allergies that have affected her mental health, which is another topic that we cover in this podcast. And we can probably all say that we've dealt with this at one point in time because food allergy stress and anxiety truly exist and it's something that a lot of people struggle with and go through every day and that's just one thing that's a part of having allergies in general and also having food allergies. Now she created her blog So Yum which I think is such a cool name because it's a play on her last name but she created her blog So Yum to be able to help others with allergies just feel less alone and more empowered and she wants to become a food allergy therapist and open up her own practice one day to reach people with allergies in underserved communities which is really great because another thing we talk about is the importance of food allergy education and her overall goal is to make food allergy healthcare accessible for everyone so Now that you guys got a little taste of what Jenna is all about and a little bit about her background, let's get right into the conversation. Hey Jenna, welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. I'm so happy to have
1: you here. I'm so excited, Valencia. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so before we get officially started, each episode I talk about like my foodie likes and basically it's whether, you know, you talk about your favorite food. Items that are food related, so it could be like a snack, it could be a book about food, your favorite meal at at the moment, whatever floats your boat, basically. So I wanted to ask you, what are some of your foodie likes right now?
1: Yeah, oh my gosh, I have so many to choose from. Um, but one of my <laughs> favorites right now, I've been loving the Go Macro bars. Um, I'm not sure if you've tried those, but um, they're like really good granola bars. There's tons of flavors. Um, I've been able to find them at Trader Joe's and most grocery stores. Um, and they're all vegan and many of them are nut free, I believe, as well. Um, so I've been really loving those.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've I go when I go to the grocery store, I always go to the bar section <laughs> to be able to find the Go Macro bars. I specifically like the sunflower uh, butter one and chocolate. Oh my gosh. Those taste so good.
1: (laughs) So good. I love that flavor as well. Recently, I've been loving the oatmeal chocolate chip flavor too. I just tried that out. So I recommend if you haven't tried it yet.
0: (laughs) I have not tried that yet because I'm the type of person that when I try something and I really like it, then like that's the main thing that I end up buying. And like it takes takes some stuff to be able to like sway me into trying other things. So I am going to have to try that because I really do like oatmeal like cookie stuff and chocolate chips.
1: You would love it. You would love it then. No, it's it's definitely my new favorite flavor.
0: Okay, I'm going to definitely write that down.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um another question I have for you to break the ice is if you could describe having allergies in one word, what would it be and why?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um I think if I could describe allergies in one word, it would be eye-opening. Um I think, um, you know, living with allergies, it kind of opens your eyes to just how prominent like uh, food is in our culture and just how food is, you know, it's a way that we socialize, it's a way that we celebrate. And um, it really just opens your eyes to all of the different um, things that your allergen might be in. It opens your eyes to all the different struggles that other people with allergies um, might face. And... Um, I think the people around me at least uh, they've learned a lot from you know having my allergies seeing what I go through so it's been eye-opening for me and I think the people around me.
0: Wow like I totally like agree with that because for me and my family I th- I'm like the main person in my family that has some sort of an allergy so when I came across mine and found out that I had them. It was very eye-opening for them and them not really knowing what to do. So we were all like learning together type of thing. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. For me, when I was thinking of it, I also was thinking of like the word creativity Mm -hmm. because it really forces you to have to think outside of the box and having to you know experiment with different things and adapting different types of recipes and if you don't then like it could be pretty really boring
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so I think really two good words to, to describe allergies like we were saying is eye-opening and creativity no,
1: I totally agree yeah it's definitely key to be creative and think of all the ways that you can still eat you know the same foods as everyone else but you know just make some substitutions.
0: So speaking of allergies, how did you get into the world of allergies and what is your Oh My Allergy story?
1: Yeah, so I was born um, with a severe dairy allergy actually the day I was born. In the hospital they gave me formula that had dairy in it and I immediately had a reaction so right off the bat my mom knew that something was wrong but at the time um, dairy allergies were not uh, commonly diagnosed by doctors Um, so we you know went through a lot of trial and error and elimination diets and allergy testing to figure out what I was allergic to but um, I've been diagnosed since I was an infant um, so That was right off the bat. And then um, as I grew older and I started trying other foods, I discovered that I have mild allergies to beef, pork, and eggs as well. Um, And those are not anaphylactic allergies, but they cause like tongue itching and a bit of swelling. So it's still concerning. Um, But... I've basically been living with all of these allergies for my entire life. Um, On top of food allergies, I do have pretty severe dust allergies and um, seasonal allergies to pollen. Um, I'm also allergic to nickel and a couple other metals as well. Um, So the food allergies are the main ones I think that I uh, struggle with. Um, on a day-to-day basis, but um, yeah, I've been living with all of those for, I'm 21, or 22, just turned 22 years <laughs> old now, so uh, <laughs> and for 22 years I've been living with these.
0: Wow, that's, that's crazy. I know when you were talking about the story of when you were, you know, an infant in the hospital and being given the formula, that must have been, you know, really eye-opening for, you know, your family. I know you might not remember because you were (laughs) such a baby, (laughs) but I mean, to be able to grow up dealing with it from birth, you know, and having to, you know, deal with that and navigate that through life. I know that probably was very interesting.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, similar to you, uh, neither of my parents have allergies. Um, so it was a whole new world for them um, and especially as a baby it was um, a bit tricky because um, my mom she had to eliminate dairy and that way the proteins wouldn't pass through her breast milk um, but it had to take a while to filter out all of the dairy that she had been eating prior for that to get out of her breast milk for me to actually ingest it um, So that was just another challenge that you don't really think of, of how what you eat passes through the breast milk and could um, affect your baby if they're allergic to something that you're eating. Um, So, yeah, that was definitely a challenging, scary time for them, I'm sure. Um, Especially, I'm sure you can relate, you know, back when we were babies, there was, you know, not as much information as there is now
0: oh definitely like like when i look at all the different resources that are available now i'm like gosh like i wish i was a kid now growing up this way right (laughs) yeah it's crazy but when you mentioned the whole thing about the breast milk thing and like your mom having to you know eliminate dairy from her diet so that it wouldn't affect you that's not something that at least i wouldn't think of that's like crazy but interesting yeah
1: yeah no, definitely most people don't think of it but um yeah, it was definitely an eye-opening experience for um, my my parents. And yeah, my mom, um, ever since she eliminated the dairy when I was an infant, she really doesn't go back to it just because um, she doesn't like how it makes her feel. And it just kind of um, upsets her stomach. So she's literally been dairy-free ever since I was born. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: at least there's good options now. And it's not like they're like not any good options for dairy free stuff because I know when I first became dairy free because like you I had problems with processing milk and stuff like that when I was an infant and when I was a baby so similarly like you like my mom mm-hmm. doesn't do the dairy thing anymore mm-hmm. either and so I know when I was younger I would be like gosh like there's nothing for me to eat type of thing so mm-hmm. at least there's so uh, many options now like so many
1: mm-hmm. definitely definitely So
0: I know you mentioned for the dairy allergy um, that it's anaphylactic. And Mm -hmm. when for me, when I talk with people who have an anaphylactic allergy, I always wonder like what their first reaction was like. So what was that Mm -hmm. like for you and how did it make you feel? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I mean, technically, my first reaction was the day I was born with the formula. But obviously, I have no recollection of that. Right. And I've had many um, allergic reactions when I was a baby that I just don't really remember. But um, the first reaction that I can remember, um, I was in preschool and at snack time at the preschool that I went to, um, our teacher would always offer us either water or milk. And I remember I was about four at the time. And I remember my mom told me, Jenna, you always have to say water. You can't say milk. And I didn't really know why. Like, I knew I was allergic, kind of. But, you know, when you're four, Mm -hmm. you don't fully grasp the concept. Um, So one day I was feeling spunky. And I decided to say milk (laughs) instead of water (laughs) (laughs) just to see what happened. Right. And my teacher was supposed, she was, you know, knew about my allergies. She was supposed to be trained to use the EpiPen on me, but she forgot that I was allergic and she gave me oh, the milk no. and I took a sip. And the next thing I know, I was like um, vomiting everywhere. I couldn't breathe. My throat was closing up. So, um, yeah, so luckily um, my mom came and, you know, we were able to use the EpiPen and I was Okay, so that was the first um, anaphylactic reaction that I can remember, Um, but uh, my most severe reaction was actually in 2016. um, I was at a sorority dinner um, at an Italian restaurant, and I was supposed to be eating the vegan dish. Um, It was supposed to be no dairy, no cheese, no eggs, um, but something was in there we think that um it had a little bit of cheese in it um mm. because i went into anaphylaxis my throat closing up and um oh my, my hands swelling um i get rashes on my wrists like right where my veins are which is really interesting <clears> when <throat> i'm having a reaction um And I ended up, I was by myself when I started to have the reaction. So I had to do all of this by myself. Um, It was very scary. Um, I ended up staying the night in the hospital and they had to give me like multiple doses of epinephrine because of how bad it was. Um, So after that reaction, I learned to like always carry multiple EpiPens with me because of how severe my dairy allergy is. and. Um, that reaction definitely changed like my outlook and made me a lot more cautious and weary about eating out at certain restaurants.
0: Wow that's that's intense (laughs) that that's intense. I know for me when I first had mine like at least I was around like my mom so that she could be able to help me but to be alone and having to like deal with that on your own like that's that's tough that's tough and then I know with some people like when they do the epipen and injecting it like there's fears with doing that you know how was that like you know doing it on your own like did you have any sort of like fears or anything like that if you were gonna do it wrong
1: oh definitely I well I was so terrified I was so terrified and also um, I'm not sure if you've experienced this but when you're like in anaphylaxis sometimes your perception is a bit like warped and you have like a heightened sense of anxiety as it is because of what's going on in your body um and i was so deep into the reaction already i didn't use the epipen because i was so afraid to And um, I should have used it much earlier on myself. Um, There are a lot of lessons that I learned from this reaction. One of them is the second that I feel a symptom that I should just be safe and use the EpiPen on myself. But I was too scared to do it by myself. So I um, called 911 and I was waiting for the ambulance. But when your throat is closing up, it's so hard to talk. So they could barely understand what I was saying, it was one of the scariest experiences ever, but luckily I was able to get to the hospital and um, be okay, but I have, since then, I have used the EpiPen on myself, Um, but because of how terrifying and painful that experience was where I didn't use it on myself, I learned that doing the epi pen on yourself is much better than waiting and seeing what the consequences are because you could die um and when i did it by myself it honestly did not hurt i really thought it would did not hurt at all compared to what your body is going through and um you know it only lasts a few seconds it's basically like getting a flu shot so it's really nothing to be afraid of okay because
0: i've i've experienced um anaphylaxis and at the time when I first had it um, I didn't really know much about allergies that well as far as on the food side like you said earlier like I had um, like environmental allergies and dust allergies severely Um, but for the food allergy spectrum when I first had my anaphylactic reaction to macadamia nuts I was completely unprepared so just hearing your story and learning Mm -hmm. you know from you like I know like if I'm put in in those types of situations, you know what to do, but just knowing that Mm -hmm. you don't be afraid to like, you know, if you need the EpiPen, then use it because it's better to be safe than sorry.
1: Exactly. Um, I've learned since then, you know, even if you're not sure how severe the reaction will be, but you're starting to feel the first symptoms, especially if you start to feel something in your throat, like a tightness or any sort of wheezing, That Mm -hmm. is a really scary symptom. And that is something that warrants an EpiPen, regardless of whether you, you know, think you might be overreacting. It's always better to be safe than sorry, like you said.
0: So, like we've talked about thus far, we talked about how you know you you had an anaphylactic allergy to dairy when you were an infant, when you were a child, and growing up, and then you talked about your um, severe um, reaction anaphylactic experience when you were in college. Can you talk about, you know, what is it like navigating, you know, allergies growing up as a child versus when you go to college and was it easier when you were a kid or easier to manage when you were in college?
1: Yeah, no that's a that's a great um question. I think I was really lucky to have um parents that were very vigilant and involved in my life and they were really crucial in keeping me safe as a kid and you know, teaching me what to look for on ingredient labels and double checking at restaurants. Um, so, in my experience, even though we didn't have as many dairy-free or allergy-friendly options when we were kids, I actually think it was easier to manage when I was a kid um, because my parents were so involved and they were honestly mm-hmm. my advocates um, and they would speak up for me and um, they just were really, really on top of it. But I found It was a lot more difficult to navigate my allergies once I entered college because suddenly I don't have my safety that was my parents and I I am my own advocate and I have to speak up and a lot of times restaurants or people don't take, you know, a young 20-something year old seriously Um, and I just really have to learn to speak up and, you know, not worry about coming across as impolite or whatnot, you know, I, have, I had to learn that, you know, this is my life that we're talking about, and I have to be very clear with restaurants, you know, chefs at the dining hall at college, um, you know, friends, family. Um, I had to learn to be very clear about my allergies with everyone, and um, I found it a lot more difficult, especially when I was a teenager and first entering college, you know, there's a lot of pressure to fit in, and, you know, you just want to make friends, and, I found it really difficult to, like, learn how to tell people about my allergy. Um, but I've also learned that anyone who is a good person and nice and, you know, worth being friends with, that they will not judge you or not become friends with you just because you have a food allergy, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my experience for sure.
0: I know for me when, because I'm still in college, um, and navigating the dining hall and having to rely on just the labels and stuff that they have there. And I've had it where something was mislabeled and uh, things went wrong very, very quickly. And I'm like, I just, I just wish schools, you know, in general did a better job as far as that is concerned or, you know, people mistaking an allergy, you know, for an intolerance and, Mm-hmm. You know, thinking, oh, you know, are you lactose intolerant or oh, it's not that big of a deal or you can just take a pill or, you know,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: type of thing and kind of like pushing it off to the side. I remember vividly like there was um, this student organization, I think they were hosting some sort of an ice cream social and, you know, I was friends with a lot of people in the organization and they were like, Hey, like, you know, you should come and I'm like, Well, you know, are you gonna have like dairy free options available there? You know, and they were like, Oh, well, you know, we'll have like lactose, you know, lactose free ice cream and I'm like, That's that that that's not the same thing.
1: <laughs> no No, there's so much um misinformation and um it's it's really disheartening to me that still in 2020 that major universities colleges across north america um still do not have proper food allergy protocols in place and that they still don't have like top eight friendly zones or top eight friendly options you know i'm not sure if you experienced this but at my school there would always be a salad bar but in the salad bar there was always cheese yes eggs you know croutons. All of this, like, you know, all of these things that are all next to each other. So it's contamination all over. And when I would try to talk to, I talked to the head chef at my school and he literally mm-hmm. sat me down and said, I can't guarantee that anything is going to be free of dairy just because of the contamination that we have here. And in my head, it's like, well, then shouldn't you change your practices? Great right. <laughs> <laughs> I... It's just mind-boggling to me, and it's something that I really hope that, you know, we can push for in the future is, you know, change from universities. It's insane because this is a medical condition, and they're not taking it seriously. It's really crazy.
0: Yeah, especially for my dining hall at my university. We have <laughs> we have signs that talk about, you know, if you have, like, an allergy or something like that, and being transparent in that way with, like, the chef and, like, the cooking staff in the dining hall. But still, like, I feel like those signs are just for show and, like, Mm -hmm. they actually don't really do anything. And like you said, like, my experience is going to the salad bar, like, because I really like salad. It's one of my favorite things to have. And so for me, going into the dining hall and seeing that there's, like, a bunch of cheese in it or finding that there's, like, nuts or something like that Mm -hmm. in there, I'm like... I can't, I can't have it. And mm-hmm. then like, I might go and talk with the chef and be like, hey, like, are there any other options that you have? Or, you know, what about this? What about that? And I don't know my experience, you know, I've had some good experiences, but then there's been some that are very memorable where it's been like, a, oh, well, that's all we have. That's all we can do, you know, mm-hmm. and kind of making it seem like I'm making like a bigger fuss about it or that it's not that big of a deal or, you know, how come I can't, Oh, this is the famous one. How come I can't pick it off? Oh, how come I can't pick the cheese off.
1: Oh <laughs> my gosh. <sighs> It's just, it's the worst when people make you feel stupid for speaking up and when they make it seem as if your allergy is a choice and as if you are just being picky and you're just difficult. And it's like, no, this is not a choice. This is a legitimate medical condition. And if this was someone else with like a medical condition, people would be taking it seriously if it was something like diabetes, for example, you know, um, But for some reason, food allergies are still, in 2020, I found, like, just, like, kind of laughed at or minimized and even though it's life-threatening for so many of us.
0: Yeah, and it's just, like, for me, like, like you were saying, it is a medical condition and it's something that should be taken seriously like the medical condition that it is. Like, if you have to carry, you know, a medical kit with you, like that's something serious, you know? And speaking of like a medical kit, like what are some things that you like carrying in your medical kit, like kind of like your Mm -hmm. must have items? I know you mentioned having two EpiPens, but is there anything else?
1: Yes, Yes. So two EpiPens is definitely a must for me, at least two. If I can get my hands on more then I will Um, you know have I think right now I have four um, just because when when I (laughs) when I have a reaction I normally need two and um, that's something that I learned over time is um, it's kind of like a a myth or I guess just misinformation that you can only use one EpiPen and then you need to wait and go to the hospital but if your allergy is severe enough if you've had anaphylaxis in the past and you've used one and you know it was still very severe and you needed to go to the hospital and get further treatment um you can use two you obviously still have to go to the hospital um but i always have two with me and i also always have an inhaler with me i have asthma as well and um, that's really common for people with food allergies to have asthma and it's also um, a symptom the wheezing um, that sometimes Mm -hmm. occurs with anaphylaxis um so i always have an inhaler i also keep benadryl pills with me um just in case there's something mild i also have topical benadryl spray in case um I touch a surface that has dairy on it and I get hives on me. Um, that helps the hives go down. Um, Ooh, so I didn't I, know about that. Yes, <laughs> I love the topical Benadryl spray. Um, what else? I always keep wet wipes on me in case I need to wipe down like a seat or a table before I sit on it. I mean, now, in this time, that's great to have just because of uh, the virus. But, um, right, you know, when you have food allergies... <laughs> When you have food allergies, it's good to just, like, wipe down an area anyways in case, you know, dairy was on it um, and you don't know about it. So those are the main things that I can think of. Oh, I also do keep um, Pepto-Bismol with me. I keep, like, the tablets with me just because I have a really sensitive stomach. um, And that's something that will spike sometimes if I eat something that is slightly contaminated um i'll get like really bad stomach issues so that will help me um but i think those are all of my um must-haves actually something that me and you have talked about can't forget the nasal spray <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes the nasal spray it's important
1: <laughs> yes so i always keep my flow nasal spray with me um because I have uh, pretty bad environmental allergies as well. Um, but other than that, that is everything that is in my medical kit.
0: <laughs> yeah, Alex, I have a lot of the same things that you normally have in yours, but... I, it's so funny, because I carry, like, this pouch with me, and people are like, what the heck is that? <laughs> like, what is that? Because I have, like, a special bag for it, just so, like, I know, like, if my eyes hit it, like, I know what that is, you know, right. like, it sticks out. It's not something that is, like, black or something that, like, can easily blend in with something, so it's mm-hmm. something that I can, like, identify with my eye. But, yes, the nasal spray. <laughs> the nasal spray, for me, for environmental allergies, for, for when it's, like the peak of it oh my gosh I know one time when I was on campus and because I work at school Mm. and I was walking throughout the quad and I just did not feel that good at all and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I definitely Mm -hmm. understand having that Benadryl Mm -hmm. is a must for me now I know that having the you know the EpiPen that's something to have Um, because like before like I, I was literally clueless I had to start from square one and like learn things as I go because I mean I didn't really know too many people that had allergies like none of my friends really had any so I was like on my own little boat by myself
1: yeah (laughs) yeah and I was the same way I didn't know I didn't have any friends growing up who had severe food allergies so I felt very much alone in it um but as I've gotten older and social media has become, you know, such a big thing. um, I'm so happy that I've been able to meet so many people like you through the food allergy community and, you know, realize that there's really so many of us, millions of Americans have food allergies. And, um, you know, there's so many of us, we're not alone. And it's amazing that we can all connect, you know, online. Yeah,
0: it's crazy with like the power of social media and being able to you know connect with people like you um in the food allergy community and then the allergy community just in general like just coming across so many different types of allergies that I didn't even know really existed like I know when I first met you and I found that you were like allergic to like beef and pork and and eggs <laughs> and stuff I was like oh my gosh like that's kind <laughs> of I like I just wanted to learn a little bit more about like other different types of allergies and Mm -hmm. being able to, you know, connect with people who like understand like what you
1: go through on a day to day. Exactly. I've yeah, I've learned so much about allergies that I didn't even know existed, you know, especially when you have severe food allergies yourself. It's easy to kind of get trapped in your own little bubble and um just think like my allergy is the worst one ever and you know whatnot get really negative but um you know it's been really eye-opening to be exposed to all these people who have allergies that I've never even considered or thought were possible um I'm actually about to uh release a blog post I think later today about it but um a a girl that I met in college in uh, Toronto she has become one of my closest friends but um She has a severe allergy to food dye Um, and that's something I had never even, you know, considered. So there's so many types of allergies out there.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned your blog. I know that you have a blog called So Yum. Could you Mm -hmm. kind of like explain what made you want to create it and, you know, what keeps you going to keep posting, you know, different recipes and tips?
1: Yeah, of course. So it started in January 2018 I believe. Um, I started the blog initially just because um, at the time I was living in a sorority house with a bunch of girls and I was one of the only ones who cooked and um, (laughs) everyone would always ask me like Jenna what are you cooking and I would tell them and they would be like wow like can you send me the recipe um you know just living with allergies you i feel like you just learn how to cook just because you can't rely on restaurants and other people to cook (laughs) safe food for you all the time i'm sure you know very well um yes so i you know i've really gotten into cooking um especially once i you know moved to college and i was on my own i was really cooking a lot and developing new recipes and whenever i would go home and visit my parents um I would learn a lot from them as well um, in terms of like cooking techniques and recipes. Um, so I started it initially just to share recipes that I'd been making with my friends. Um, but then it quickly grew into something bigger when I realized um, that I can share, you know, how you can live a normal, happy life and still go out to eat and still enjoy delicious food and cook whatever you want from home. But, you know, it can still be safe for you and it can still be delicious. and um, that was one of the main reasons that I started it and um, since then I have really made it a focus to spread food allergy awareness on it and um, also shed light on the mental health consequences of living with food allergies. Um, In university I went through a period after I had that really severe reaction at the Italian restaurant where my mental health really it plummeted um, after that I Definitely had some PTSD from the reaction because it was so terrifying, and um, I already struggled with anxiety. But um, I experienced a lot of depression after that, and um, I noticed when I would go researching that there wasn't a lot of literature, that there wasn't a lot of information about um, mental health and food allergies specifically. Um, so I'm I was a psychology major, so I decided to like do my own research and. Um, go digging in there. So that's been one of my main um, motivators to keep posting on SoYum. So I post a mixture of recipes, um, advice, but also um, I will do scientific literature reviews of um, the research that I can find on food allergies and mental health. And um, recently I did some research on uh, the racial disparities in food allergies and um, health care in general. Um, so that's one of my other uh, motivators in posting on Soyum as well.
0: So I know you mentioned kind of like the mental health and, you know, kind of like the stress and anxiety that can come with food allergies. What would you say are some tips that you would give to people who are new to the Whole world of food allergies, and they are really just stressed out and they're very anxious when it comes to them, and just be able to kind of center themselves and kind of feel like they're not alone.
1: Yes, no, um, I think one of the best things that you can do is share with the people around you what you're going through and you know, share how much of a toll that your food allergies are taking on you, um, how anxious you are about things. Um, I think one of the main issues I had was I kept everything inside and I kept it all to myself. Mm. Um, and once I started sharing with my friends, you know, hey, like I actually I don't really want to go out to this restaurant because I'm really anxious about eating there. Um, I realized that, you know, the people around me were a lot more accommodating than I had expected. And they, you know, would say, OK, are there restaurants that you feel comfortable eating at or we can just, you know, make a dinner at a home? No problem. Um, So it really helped to, you know, have a support system. So I would say one tip I have is to, you know, talk about it with your friends and family. And, you know, if they don't know anything about allergies, you can educate them, tell them about what your allergy is, what your symptoms are, and, you know, some of the issues that you struggle with regarding your allergies. Um, But another tip that I have is seriously go on instagram if you have it or twitter facebook and go through the hashtag food allergies or food allergy awareness allergies you'll find so many people you know who have so much experience and advice to give and everyone is so welcoming i found in the food allergy community and just allergy community in general um, so that's another great tip that i have and in terms of just dealing with anxiety in general um, i think meditation and Practicing mindfulness meditation specifically is really helpful for a lot of people and it's something that helps me. Um, So that could be something to look into if you are really struggling with the anxiety of having food allergies.
0: Yeah, because I know when I first had my, you know, reaction to macadamia nuts, I was just very on edge, like anything. Like if I just saw like macadamia nuts on a shelf in a grocery store or like the like macadamia nut milks which that just gets on my nerves that I see that they're (laughs) turning them into milks but anyway (laughs) like I would just get really anxious and I'm just like oh my gosh or if I saw you know different desserts like I know one time I went to um, the mall with um, a group of, of friends from school, and we went to, like, the Great American cookie stand, and so I was, like, they're, like, you want anything? I was, like, no, I can't, my allergies, whatever, and then I was, like, also, just to let you know, like, does anyone plan on getting, like, a macadamia nut cookie or something like that? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you are, then this is where we depart. This is where I leave. This is where I exit, you know, please just don't get it. Cause I'm like very, very allergic to it. And then they were like, I'm happy you said that because I was about to buy one. And I was just like, <laughs> so I'm like always, it's always in the back of my mind thinking about my allergy. And at first I didn't want to even tell anyone about it like you were saying because I felt like people might try to use it against me to like make fun of me or try to do like a whole monster-in-law situation with (laughs) I was just like no I'm good
1: (laughs) no yeah I I think that's so common and we need so much more mental health resources and um, education regarding food allergies specifically um, just because it makes total sense why we would be on edge after an allergic reaction. Um, You know, we are trying to stay alive. It's like our body's instinct. And we are, you know, just looking evolutionarily, we're just looking like for threats and our threat is our allergen. Um, And so we are constantly on higher alert than other people when we're you know, in a scenario that might involve, like you said, macadamia nuts or dairy, we constantly are on high alert. um, And that naturally just leads to like more anxiety and stress that you deal with um, because of that. It totally makes sense, you know, why you would feel on high alert and a bit stressed in a scenario that reminds you of, you know, when you had that severe allergic reaction.
0: Yeah, because I've just learned along the way, like, If someone offers you something and they can't answer, like, what's in it, then you definitely do not need to be accepting anything. And sadly, how my, how I discovered I was, you know, very allergic to macadamia nuts was because I had not been exposed to it before. And then someone was like, yeah, why don't you try it? And I was like, "Ah." And (laughs) (laughs) "Ah."
1: and then I tried
0: it and then I was just like, yeah, no, so lesson learned lesson learned
1: yeah but it's you know it is really uh it's it is an important lesson to learn but also I think naturally at least for me I am a very distrusting person (laughs) like I have a hard time trusting (laughs) I got trust issues on trust issues (laughs) Uh, because I I'm sure you've had the same experience as just people saying oh try this I think it's dairy free and then you know, you look into it, and there's milk on the label, or you know, people just—they don't know what to look for. They don't understand how severe your allergy is, and you know, if someone's giving you an unlabeled food, even if it looks amazing, nothing is worth it. You know, it is—it is not worth sacrificing potentially your life for a cookie or you know whatever. <laughs> it might it look might delicious, <laughs> but no, <laughs> exactly, it's not worth it, girl. It's not worth it. You can bake something similar at home. You know, um, right it's it's not worth it but I think you know just from all those experiences at least for me I definitely have a hard time um, trusting people especially when it comes to food I very much you know prefer to make everything myself and read all the ingredients know where things are coming from
0: right yeah I know like for me like I know I was just talking with my mom like earlier today and we were talking about how it's really important for us to like make our stuff at home and like we've just gotten so much in the habit of doing that because of my allergies and how you know she doesn't you know eat dairy as well and um it's just we've just gotten so comfortable right. in that way that now it's just kind of like I don't really want to accept anything from anybody
1: else no, no. hate
0: <laughs> but because you just don't you just don't know you just don't know nowadays
1: I I think if you are happy you know cooking your own food and You know, you can still go to restaurants and bring your own food, and you know, enjoy that social aspect with your friends and family. Like, if that makes you feel a lot more comfortable and safe, then by all means, do that. Um, But if you are able to find restaurants where you know you speak to the management, you speak to the chef, and you find out what their you know contamination practices are, you find out um, how much they know about food allergies and um, whether it's safe for you. You know, if you feel comfortable going there, then by all means. Um, go there. I know I have my handful of restaurants that I feel safe going to, um, and you know if whenever I see a new restaurant that looks good, I will send them an email. I'll give them a call, um, and I'll see if it's an option for me. Um, you know, I think don't push yourself if you feel like a restaurant is you know potentially dangerous for you. It's it's not worth it. But also, if you do want to go out to eat, you know maybe you can do some research and find some places in your town or city that are safe for you.
0: Yeah, because I know, like, really looking at the allergy information sometimes, it's just not enough on a website because they lay it out sometimes very Mm -hmm. confusing. It's like this weird-looking graph, and I'm like, okay, I'm trying to line Mm -hmm. things up. I'm like, okay, let me, like, look across the page. And I'm like, wait, no, that's the wrong line. And I'm like, it's just so easier just, like, to give someone a call or to email, like Mm -hmm. you said.
1: No, definitely. I think speaking with the management, just to get the best understanding of, like, Okay, because you could read the allergen information, you know, on the website, but you don't know, okay, are they washing the utensils between, you know, using dairy and using, you know, something that's vegan? Are they, um, you know, sterilizing everything? Are they using different cutting boards? Are they switching their gloves? Like, you need to know um, what their practices are. And the allergen information, like you said, it's so limiting and it's very confusing um i try to like follow the row with my finger and try to see yes (laughs) where where the dairy pops up (laughs) yeah and i'm like no no it's definitely worth giving a call or an email i find in talking to the manager or the owner um but yeah you know eating with allergies it's still very possible you just have to find you know the right places that make you feel comfortable
0: yeah so speaking of food what is your favorite meal of the day?
1: Oh, like breakfast, lunch, dinner? Yeah. Hmm. I love lunch because you can eat whatever you want. Anything goes. <laughs> <laughs> like if you if you want to eat breakfast, you just say, "Oh, I'm having brunch." And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if you want dinner, you just you're having lunch. Nothing nothing's wrong with that. You can eat whatever you want. Um I love lunch. Um And if I were to pick, like, my dream lunch, it would definitely be sushi. I love sushi. Um, Mm. I love sushi, and it is very um, allergy-friendly for the most part. Um, But I do, whenever I go to a sushi restaurant, I always talk to the sushi chef because some rolls do contain dairy, like cream cheese, um, or they'll use Mm. mayo in the um, sauces. Um, So I always have to talk to the chef and see – what their practices are, and if they can, you know, make my rolls in a separate space away from um, any potential dairy products, Um, but sushi is usually very um, dairy-free friendly, Um, so that's definitely one of my favorite meals, and I'm actually getting it today, so I'm very excited. (laughs) (laughs) I love sushi. Sushi's good. It's amazing. What's what's your favorite meal of the day? (sighs) Ah...
0: I don't know. Maybe I like that like 10 to like 11 a.m. time period. So maybe like a brunch or yeah. like a lunch <laughs> like
1: you. <laughs> I love a, I love a, a brunch or like a late breakfast. Yes. Yes. I, I love yes. that. I just, I don't get super hungry in the mornings, like early morning at like 7 a.m. So, um, i love that 10 to 11 time frame too
0: (laughs) yeah because like when i was younger i used to be like i would wake up i'd be like oh my gosh i'm starving but now that i'm older like i'll wake up and i'll be like eh, breakfast breakfast." (laughs) i don't know her (laughs) but yeah like yeah so she's really good but speaking of food again What is your favorite recipe or recipes to make since you share some on your blog?
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have so many and I have so many recipes on my blog at So Yum on Instagram. Um, But one of the things that I make the most often is my General So's tofu. Um, I grew up loving General So's chicken. If you don't know, it's like a Chinese um, style chicken and it's usually made with Um, soy sauce is the base but it's like they put red chili flakes in it to give it some kick Um, I put in rice vinegar and I sweeten it with either maple syrup or um, agave or sugar Um, but it's like a really nice sweet salty spicy um, meal and I love making the tofu version just because uh, I love tofu um, and if you know you can have soy then tofu is a great affordable protein to have um, so I love making the general sos tofu recipe that's on my website and I post it all on my Instagram all the time but I uh, make that a ton um, just because it's so easy to make and tofu's so cheap um, it but is. one of my one of my other recipes I've made is um, I made these pumpkin cheesecake bars last year Mm. and i made them with a soy cream cheese so they do contain soy but they are um nut free and dairy free um and they are amazing so check those out if you haven't uh, seen those on my blog on my website soyum.com but um yeah i love i love me some vegan cheesecake
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's one thing i haven't tried is vegan cheesecake i've not tried it you
1: need to (laughs) check out the recipe i will (laughs) i will
0: because i love pumpkin like when it hits honestly i'm the type of person that i can eat pumpkin pretty much any time of the year Mm -hmm. i'm that person that like because i have this recipe on my blog where it's like pumpkin chocolate chip cookies and they're like dairy free because i use like the enjoy life um, yes like chocolate chips yes yes and so my mom will just randomly be like, in the summer, like, "Hey, can you make some of those?" <laughs> 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 so, we are a pumpkin loving household, so definitely we'll look at your recipe because that sounded really good. Yes,
1: really and good. we're going into fall, so very right. perfect. Right. Yeah.
0: Like, get your get your way into fall with you know some pumpkin cheesecake. Yes.
1: Yeah. Those cookies that you just mentioned sound delicious. I only ever use the Enjoy Life brand when I'm making stuff with chocolate. They're like the only people that I trust. Um, right. So I love I love their stuff
0: yeah they they make some really good stuff i like i get the mainly i get the dark chocolate morsels mm-hmm. um because i'm i just really like dark chocolate i like mm-hmm. when it's like really bitter and stuff <laughs> i'm that person that likes 80 <laughs> percent yeah i know it's for a quiet taste but i usually like doing that and then sometimes if i'm baking for like other people in yes. my family then i'll do like the semi-sweet ones mm-hmm. from enjoy life but yeah those are good i know when you were talking about tofu and I've met so many people that feel so mixed about tofu. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Uh," I'm like, I like tofu because it's like a chameleon, in my opinion. Like, it Mm -hmm. can be whatever you want it to be. So if you want it to taste, you know, like General Zhao's, Mm -hmm. then, like, you can make it taste like that. If you want to do, like, a, um, like, there's this one thing from um, Whole Foods. They make this vegan chicken fried tofu. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. So you could do that or you could do like stir fry or anything. So what are your thoughts on like the mixed argument between like with like tofu and stuff?
1: I mean, I think it's totally valid. But the reason why a lot of people don't like tofu is because it's not cooked properly. They haven't had it cooked properly. That's what I say. It's it's so true because tofu is like a sponge. Like you said, it's a chameleon. So it absorbs whatever you put into it. But you have to know how to prepare it in order to let the flavors properly absorb and for it to actually be delicious. So my favorite method of cooking tofu, especially when I am making um, the General sauce chicken or if I were to make fried tofu, um, I freeze the tofu. Um, mm. So when I get it out of the package, you know, I'll drain the water out of the package, but mm-hmm. then I will um, put the block in a Ziploc bag and I put, stick it in the freezer and then you know, the next day or whenever I have time, I'll come back to it, take it out of the freezer, pop it in a pot of boiling water to let it defrost. And then um, you stick the tofu in a strainer like you're draining pasta mm-hmm. and it, the water comes right out when you freeze the tofu and you defrost it. For some reason, the tofu changes texture. And when you squeeze <clears> <throat> the water out, it becomes very chicken like. Um... So it becomes a lot more tough, but in a good way. Um, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't fall apart as easily. And I think the texture of tofu, the sliminess that it sometimes has, if it's not cooked properly or if it's soft, that that can turn people away from it. Um, so freezing it and then defrosting it, squeezing out the water. Um, I usually just like put it on some paper towels and just like press it down. Um, the water all comes right out. And then I stick it in a pot with some... Oil and it cooks perfectly and it fries up really nice. Um, so that is my favorite way of cooking tofu. And I really think that freezing is the key if you're wanting to get a really nice um, chickeny texture without having to press tofu for hours and hours to get all the water out. Yes. Um, so <laughs> yes. I th- I understand why people have mixed feelings, but I my advice is you just you need to try to cook it you know this way or the right way and season it a lot. Um, yes.
0: Cause under-seasoned <laughs> tofu is not it. It's, exactly, it, it's,
1: it's not it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But give tofu a chance, <laughs> please. It's
0: good because I know so many people that are like, like it tastes bland. I don't really see like what the fuss is about and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And like you said, you're not cooking it right. And like mm-hmm. apparently freezing is the key. I'm gonna try that next time I make tofu
1: because
0: I've not done that ever think about freezing tofu so i'm gonna try it and i'll let you know but
1: yeah please do i yeah. really i really think it's life-changing um i think i heard um i really like the youtuber uh lauren toyota she is behind hot for food i don't know if you've uh, ever watched that youtube channel um but um she has a bunch of cookbooks and she's like a really talented vegan chef but i heard her once say that freezing the tofu is key and ever since then, um, I swear by it. So definitely try it out and let me know what you think. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I like tofu. Like, I I used to be in a point where I would use it, like, all the time. And then I was like, oh, we need to take a step back. So I still eat tofu, but not nearly as much as I would before because mm-hmm. I would – and I like how, like, versatile it is because you can, you know, make it into, like, like a chicken substitute if you want to. You could, you know, uh, put it, like, in a miso soup, which I love miso soup.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: you can just do, like, so many things
1: with it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So another question that I have for you is, and we talked about it earlier, about, like, navigating, you know, college cafeterias. Um, like, what are some of your like quick hacks and tips that you would give to someone who is trying to navigate a college cafeteria and even for people who may be living off of campus but still have food allergies and don't really know what to do?
1: Hmm. Yeah, so my first tip, um, especially if you plan on um, ordering or eating from the cafeteria at all, is to um, find out who the head chef is and schedule a meeting with them. Um, That's something that I wish I did earlier into the year. Um, I ended up meeting with the head chef, I think in like November, but I wish I had done it right when I had moved in. Um, Just, it's really helpful to have a conversation with them and be transparent about your allergies and see if there's, Any way that they can create either special meals for you every day that you can pick up, or if they can, you know, have your allergy in mind and create, you know, an option each day of the week for each meal that you can have, Um, or if they can just be transparent with you and say that they don't think that this is a safe option for you and that you know you're going to need to um, work something else out. That was what ended up happening with me. Um, I ended up getting a refund for my meal plan because. Um, the head chef told me, you know, we don't think that this is a safe option for you because of all the dairy that we have in our kitchen and we don't have um, any cross-contamination safety practices in place to prevent that. Um, So I got a refund for my meal plan and I was living in the dorms at the time. So I was like, okay, I now all the money that I got from my refund. Now I can use this to you know, find food that's safe for me, but all I have is a mini fridge and a microwave, so right, I'm right. like,
0: time to get dorm creative.
1: Yes, the Yes, dorm life. So I was like, okay, time to get creative, so um, I ended up looking up a ton of recipes and, like, dorm-friendly recipes, and um, I basically uh, got really creative. I would eat lots of salads, um, lots of sandwiches, And I would get, um, cans of soup. I would have tons of soup because you just need to microwave it. Um, Mm -hmm. I would bake potatoes in the microwave, um, which you can totally do. And I would make pasta in the microwave. You can boil pasta in a bowl in the microwave, believe it or not. And I would, um, make that, I would, um, buy like pre-cooked chicken from the grocery store, like, those chicken grilled chicken strips or like a rotisserie chicken that was safe mm-hmm. Um, and I would have that on hand um so probably my biggest piece of advice is to definitely talk with the head of your dining um area and you know see what your options are and then from there you know try to find a bunch of recipes there's so much out there now if you just type in what you're allergic to and um you know like dairy-free recipes there's so much out there Um, And, you know, you can you can do a lot with just a microwave and a mini fridge if you're stuck in that situation like I was. Um, You know, there's always options and, you know, oatmeal is a lifesaver. So (laughs) (laughs) that's probably my my biggest advice to give.
0: When you were saying all that stuff, that reminded me of when we were first talking in the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about describing allergies in one word. And that reminded me of like the creativity aspect of it, because you were put in a situation where you were like, okay my dining hall you know said it's not really that safe for me to eat here and you have to make everything you know in a dorm and we all know how small dorms are and what you kind of have to work with as far as what appliances they'll let you bring and being able to make things work and still being able to have you know some sort of a variety and um, being able to change things up.
1: Yeah no exactly and Um, You know, if you can, it's awesome to find like a restaurant near your campus that um, you feel comfortable eating at and that you can get takeout from, you know, to spice up your week like once a week or so. Um, I ended up finding a place in Toronto. It was called Fresh. It's still there. It's a chain there um, and it's vegan and they have so many delicious um, wraps and salads and they had a location really close to campus. Um, So that was a lifesaver for me as well. Yeah. So
0: um, my last question for you, because we've been sitting here talking and I've been having such a good time, but I don't want to have it. We're talking for hours because I know we could <laughs> with all we this could. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but my last question for you is for people who are new to the whole world of food allergies and even, you know, food intolerances, you know, what advice would you give to them?
1: Yeah, I would say. Remember that you're not alone, and I would follow some, you know, food allergy hashtags and find some food allergy bloggers on Instagram to follow. Um, There are some really great organizations. Um, There's Elijah's Echo. They do a lot of great work on the East Coast. There's Red Sneakers for Oakley. That spreads a lot of food allergy awareness. Um, In Toronto, I worked with um, Fate Food Allergy Training and Education, Um, The Salmingo family, they do a lot of great stuff, and there's so many food allergy bloggers out there that help you feel less alone um, with your allergies or intolerances. Um, And another piece of advice that I would give is to make sure that you have a medical kit with you, Um, you know, not to stress you out or worry you, but if you do have a severe allergy or if you got allergy tested and, you know, one of your results came back as you know, it being pretty high on the scale, Um, it's always safe to just make sure you have an EpiPen or preferably two. um, And, you know, think about some other things that might be good to carry with you at all times. You know, it doesn't need to be anything fancy. You can even just have it in a Ziploc bag that you take with you all the time. But EpiPens and maybe some Benadryl um, or, you know, uh, an inhaler if you need it. Um, Those are some things that you should consider. Um, And even, especially for children, it's really a good idea to have a medical alert bra- bracelet or some sort of um, card that you carry around with you that lists you know, your name, your date of birth, and what you're allergic to specifically um, in case you, know, you need to show it to someone and you can't talk or you're in a situation where right, you just need to right. show someone really quick what you're allergic to or what's going on. Um, so that would be my main advice. You know, remember you're not alone and always be prepared.
0: Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Jenna. I've enjoyed talking to you so much and being able to hear about, you know, your Oh My Allergy story and about your blog and all of the cool stuff that comes with being Jenna So.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Valencia. It's been so awesome to be on the podcast. I'm, you know, thrilled to be a part of it and I love everything that you're doing. So um, thank you for having me. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of me talking with Jenna So from the blog So Yum and just being able to hear about her allergy journey, her experiences with having an anaphylactic allergy to dairy with food allergy anxiety and stress and kind of getting into like the whole mental health side of having food allergies while also talking about you know how she's dealt with that in a school setting, in a college setting and just overall just growing up with food allergies from being an infant. So I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you have not subscribed to the podcast already make sure that you hit the subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice rate and review the podcast if you have not done so already follow jenna at SoYum on instagram follow oh my allergies on instagram at oh my allergies and i will talk to you all in the next episode bye guys